This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. I'm super excited about this particular uh, episode. I'm going to have my friend with us, also a fellow podcaster. We connected, uh, let's say it's probably been a year ago now. Um, he has a lot of great content on his, uh, his podcast, and I'll let him tell a bit about that, maybe about how that came to be. Um, but again, today... Very excited. We're going to be talking about something that you all are a part of. You're all part of a family. And so we're going to have a lot of great content. Uh, Brother Teal, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the listeners a bit about you, and then we'll get right into uh, what you've prepared. Well, praise the Lord, Brother Crooker and family. Uh, Thank you all so much for letting me join. I'm excited about the conversation. I'm excited to to have this dialogue with a fellow brother in Christ and to talk about the great things of God. I'm especially excited tonight because I've got some great news to share with everyone as we dive into this discussion. But I guess first, let me say, um, of course, my name is Justin, I'm the host of the Disciples Dialogue podcast. I am uh, married, been married for 12 years. I've got two wonderful children, Hudson and Selah, ages 10 and 8. We are uh, we live here in Max Meadows, Virginia. We go to church at First Apostolic Church of Radford. Um, we've been there for over 10 years now, been in the ministry for uh, around eight or nine years, and God has really changed my life. God has been so good to me. Um, I was once lost in sin, like many of us, all of us, and uh, but God picked me up and turned my life around, and so now I just I like to spend my days trying to tell people about the good things of God and, and, and see them come to Christ and be born again of water and of spirit. And so I am so thankful to be able to have the opportunity to join you on this great podcast. Um, Brother Crooker, thank you so much for having me. We're honored to have you. I know it's been, it's been a while in the making. I'm glad we were able to finally make it happen. Um, you know, just it, it's important that the body of Christ, fellow believers, uh, fellow apostolic content creators connect Uh, help share each other's content, help Mm -hmm. do the work of the Lord, help get the word of God out there and help make disciples, which is what your podcast is all about. Amen. Yes. The, the disciples dialogue podcast was uh, born out of a desire to, to not only collaborate with other podcasters, but to bring people in who may not have a platform and may not have uh, the opportunity or the finances or what have you to make Uh, content like this. And so I wanted to open up uh, the doors for people of all uh, backgrounds. I've had um, some very well-known apostolic uh, ministers um, who have great, uh, really large podcasts of their own. Um, And I've had some people who, you know, the world has never heard of and, and they're fresh converts. You know, they just, they just got saved or they're just freshly in the church, maybe a year or less. And that's what the Disciples Dialogue is all about. It's about bringing people together to have a conversation um, so that the content that we produce can reach not just a particular class of people, 
but can reach the masses because that's what we're called to do. Go out into the world and compel them to come. Well, them is all inclusive. It's, it's for whosoever will, Jesus said, let them come drink of the waters of life freely. So uh, that's what we're about here. Amen. So, I mean, family, family, yeah. family of God, uh, family, uh, your obviously natural family, your spiritual family. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about family. So I want to, if it's okay with you, Brother Kirk, I'd like to testify real quick. Um, and it's just God ordained, I believe, that we chose the topic of family tonight to have this discussion because uh, I actually had the opportunity about maybe two hours ago to go into a city that my wife and I are are soon to be building a church in. We're going to be starting a daughter work in the city of Galax, Virginia. And uh, we are so excited. We've been two years in the making uh, praying and working and teaching Bible studies. And tonight, tonight I was able to teach a Bible study to my ex mother-in-law. Um, of course they're not, she's not with my dad any longer, but, uh, we reconnected after many years of being separated, not talking anymore. And she lives in this city that we're trying to reach, uh, for Jesus Christ. And we connected and uh, she wanted the Bible study, so we taught her Bible study. And praise God, wouldn't you know that on this night we're talking about family, I was able to baptize her in the name of Jesus praise Christ. God. Oh, and we went down to the hotel. We got in the swimming pool, and she got baptized. And I'm going to be posting pictures on, on social media, so you can look forward to that. But praise God, one more soul is in the kingdom, and I thank God for that. That's Amen. True. That's exciting, bro. Yes, it is. I am so Not excited. All that's exciting. I didn't know any of that, so... Oh, that's exciting for me. I I love that. Yes, sir. So family um, is is so important to me. Um, My family, my wife and my two children, we have a saying in our home. uh, And the saying is we stick together. Um, And some people, you know, this may not fit every family dynamic and that's okay. But for me and my family, you know, if, if one of us needs to run out to the store to get something, a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk, we're all going. Uh, it's just, it's just what we do. We stay together. Um, we don't typically uh, run out, you know, separate ourselves and spend a lot of time apart. We, we always spend time together. And, and I I think that that's healthy. It's, it's healthy to want to be with your family, spend time with your wife, your spouse, your husband, your children. Um, and, and I'd like to have this conversation really based around something that I heard from my pastor years ago. And he actually received this from his pastor, uh, Pastor Greg Street out of Tennessee. But my pastor said, uh, as the family goes, so goes the church. As the family goes, so goes the church. And there is such a powerful statement, Brother Crooker, to, to know that when we don't protect the family, if we do not protect the home, uh, then the devil will creep in and one by one pluck good families, good people out of the church. Uh, and, and there goes the church family by family. That's it's, it's exactly, it's exactly what makes up the churches, families, individuals, men, women, and children. And so I am an advocate for protecting the family. I am an advocate for living a godly lifestyle and no, I don't have it all together. And, and there's so much more that I want to do and I want to become a better husband, a better father. But I thank God that I have a desire to lead my family into all truth um, and fear and trembling and and just line up with the word 
line upon line and precept upon precept. And I'm sure that you, uh, you would agree. Absolutely. Um, there's a study, uh, that says, you know, as far as family's concerned and church attendance and things of that nature, it's, it's, it's like a crazy number. It's like, and I, again, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. So I, I could be incorrect, but it's a, it's a very similar number. It's like something like, uh, 75 to 85% of families. If the father is the one that goes to church, yes, the whole family ends up going to church. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was just the child or just the mother and the wife, you know, you, that brings that whole family, uh, culture, uh, not as, you know, in that, uh, church, uh, connection setting. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a am proof of that. Um, I was born and raised in Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, uh, Georgia. And my dad left when I was two years old. Uh, he was gone out of my life for over 10 years. And my mom was left to raise myself and two older brothers that I have. And let me tell you, we were not easy to raise. We were, um, hellions uh, to say the least. And we tormented the town. We, we, we did unspeakable things, things that would shame, uh, my family and myself if I were to tell everyone, but, um, we never went to church brother Cricker. We, we never went to church. There was no, you know, my mom couldn't, even if she wanted to make us, she couldn't make us go to church. We did what we wanted to do. Um, we, we, we were very bad kids to say the least. But then when my dad came back into the picture at the age of 12, he came and got custody of me. And uh, my mom, of course, couldn't take care of me properly. I was hardly in school at all. I was failing at everything um, on drugs and drinking and doing everything at the age of 12. Um, awful childhood in that sense. But my dad came and got custody of me and he moved me up here to Virginia. And he went to church and it was not an option. You know, and he was man enough to make me go to church. Um, you know, at that age, I couldn't really do much about it. And he said, well, we're going to church. And so, uh, whether by force or by uh, desire, um, the, when the father goes to church, you're exactly right. It's more likely the percentage of families that attend church when the father goes is, is astronomical. Um, and, and I don't want my kids and my wife to go to church in fear of what I might do uh, in response if they don't. I want to lead by example. So whereas my father led uh, with an iron fist and I was forced, my kids, I thank God, Brother Crooker, that my kids, when they wake up on a Sunday morning, it's not a question where we're going to be. We're going to be in the house of the Lord. And I was like, David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so we wake up and we're happy. We're excited. Let's go fellowship with our friends. Let's go worship Jesus. Let's go have a good time because church should not be a drudgery. Church should not be uh, a chore. You know, it's, we're, we're blessed to be able to go into the church. And, and I think that, uh, Raising my kids in the church, man, they love it. I can't even imagine if I woke up one day, Brother Crooker, and told my kids, I, I don't think I'm going. They'd probably say, well, we're going. See ya. They just love God, you know, and, and that's that's wonderful. That's what it takes in the home. And that's really what, what 
compels me to be so passionate about this subject family is weak fathers destroy good families. Wow. Now, now, this not even in my notes, but I feel the Holy Ghost already in this conversation. Weak fathers, weak husbands destroy good families. God help us. Men, I'm talking to you tonight for, for just a moment. We're going to talk about all the dynamics of family, but for a moment, if I can, let me speak to the husband. Let me speak to the father. You had better line up with the word of God. And you better man up and take responsibility because you are the leader of your home. You are to lead your wife and your children into a relationship with God that is lasting. We cannot afford to have weak fathers and weak husbands trying to lead the family. Uh, because if, if you do that, your family is, is going to be in danger of, of that lion who is seeking whom he may devour. Absolutely. So imperative. So imperative that fathers get on board with with thing basic spiritual discipline. You know, your kids are going to do what you do. Oh yes. They're going to follow your example. Yes. I heard it said one time um Actually, just recently, Stan Gleason came and preached at our camp meeting mm. and he was talking about being a disciple maker. And he said, you know, if you have a family, if you're a father or a mother, you know, and he said, you're already making disciples. All those kids behind you are your disciples. Yes. So you start there. Start yes. making disciples out of your kids yes. and then start making disciples out of other people. That's so good. That's so I mean, that's good. the beginning. That's really the beginning. That's where. That's where kids learn how to pray. It's great to take them to church, but they're yeah. going to learn how to live for God at home. Oh man, that's so good. I've that's seen so true. I've seen so many times where uh, families, fathers and mothers, will bring their kids to church, and you know their their service to God is literally only Sunday and Wednesday. Mm. They don't come for the special speakers. They don't come for the special. Bible services they just they're just doing their diligence and their service and they you know they they feel like well you know I'm giving God what I can by you know you should be glad I'm here that kind of uh attitude towards it and what happens is you can see the fruit of that in the life of their kids yes. today mm -hmm. you know 20 years from then none of their kids are serving God now they go into the pastor being like oh pray for my pray for my wayward child pray and he's just like yeah. The, yeah. Do you want your kids to serve God? You mm -hmm. need to serve God. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And Terry Shock, uh, such a great teacher. Terry Shock once said, um, "The Bible commissions us to go and and love our neighbors." Um, and of course, we should love our neighbors. Maybe the people across the road. Maybe the people in the next town. But Brother Shock said it like this. He said, "Don't you think that your closest neighbor?" is living in your own house? How, how is it that we can love the Johnsons next door, but we have a hard time loving our, our wives and our children and our spouses enough to lead them? Wow. That's powerful. Now, I don't want to, and he also said, my, my goodness, this is so important right here that we get this. He also said, Terry Shock said, I don't want to be a stranger 
to my family in church. And what he meant by that was if, if we're in church and, and dad's up front and he's got his hands lifted up and he's smiling, God forbid that my kids look at me and say, is that, is that dad? He never smiles at home. He, he never lifts his hands up at home. He never prays at home. So why is he acting like that here? Wow. Oh, we, we've got to be careful that we line up with the word of God and we are who we say we are in the family for the family before we are to the world. Amen. Because as the family goes, so goes the church. Amen. My, my youth leader, once I got in church at the age of 12, I had a youth pastor, if you will. And, um, I was actually at this point later in life, I was dating my wife. We was dating at the time before we got married and we were fighting. Oh, I had such an awful spirit of anger inside of me brother crooker. And, um, and we just couldn't get along. We were on the verge of, you know, breaking up and divorce and all these things. We had a really rough past because Jesus was not at the center of it all. And I went to my youth pastor and I said, Steve, why, what's going on? Why can't she just conform? You know, why, you know, we're having these fights and everything. And he said, let me tell you something. Now this changed my life and he wasn't even an apostolic, but this changed my life. He said, do you love your wife? And I said, well, of course I love my wife. What kind of question is that? That's silly. He said, when you love someone, you will not hurt them. Now that was that, that impacted me so much because he said, when you're fighting with someone, really all you're trying to do is to hurt them and to win the battle. And he said, so when you're arguing and you're name calling and you're doing all these things as a husband, you, it's hard for you to say that you love her when you're trying to hurt her. And, and in that moment I was crushed and I, I thought, my God, do I really love her? And then years later, I find out there is a way in which we are called to love our spouses. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loves the church. Now we have a tainted view and a tainted definition of what love is anymore. And if it's anything outside of the word of God, and if it's not like Jesus loved the world in so much that he was willing to lay down his own life for us while we were yet sinners, then it's not love. And so, Brother Crooker, I'm I'm really, because I am a husband, because I am a father, um, I, I probably will tend to lean a little bit more toward talking to the husbands and the fathers because I can relate to them. But that is not to say that every member of the family does not play a significant role in in having a healthy family. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing. Uh, You know, Adam, when Adam was created, he was called, he had dominion. Uh, He was to tend to the, the ground, to the, he was to tend to the garden, to take care of it, to take care of the environment, Mm -hmm. uh, to take dominion over what was in the environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had work to do. He had animals to name, animals to take care of. Eve comes along and her responsibility is, you know, obviously to tend to the needs of Adam, but also to tend to the needs of the children. 
the children's responsibility. They were given roles within the family to take mm -hmm. care of uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel was, he tended to the uh, animals as well. And sure. uh, Cain, you know, he tended to the ground. He was a tiller sure. of the ground and, and things of that nature. So all the way even back in, into Genesis, we can see clearly defined roles within the family, clearly Absolutely. defined authority levels of authority within the family. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's important that we keep in, that we keep our families in that biblical model. Yes. Um, obviously, there are some situations where that's difficult. Uh, you know, single parent homes that makes that yes. difficult to uh, to do, or fatherless homes or mm -hmm. motherless homes, because then that puts more weight on on one person that they have to find a way to operate with the help of God. You know, mm -hmm. in, not necessarily their God called position in the family mm -hmm. uh which makes that uh, you know a little little bit difficult but it's still important that we uh, as parents i mean we're parents i'm a mm -hmm. parent you're a parent uh some some of the listeners may be parents or they're thinking about being a parent you know they're looking to have children and things like that mm -hmm. um you know it's just it's just so it's so important yes it is and and, and here's something, and I don't want to mess with anybody's theology. Let me be clear before I say this, that there is a structure, a biblical family structure outlined in the Word of God. God is to be the head of, of the body. He is the head of the body. He is the, the head of the family. Everything is centered around Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Um, he should be at the center of it all. But then, scripturally speaking, we see that God has ordained it that the man should be the leader of the home. Okay. Um, now, you brought up a great point, and I think that it needs to be addressed. Uh, God, man, or husband, father should be next in line as far as the um, authority in the home, leadership in the home. The wife was made to be a helpmate. That is not to say that she is not spiritual. It's not to say that she is not anointed or powerful or used in the kingdom of God because they can be and they should be. But there is a there is a hierarchy in the biblical structure of a godly family. God is at the head, then the husband, then the wife, then the children. It's outlined in the scripture. So don't take me wrong here when I say this. But I will say, or any weak husband, any limp-wristed father who will not man up and lead his family into all truth and righteousness, mm -hmm. lining up with the word of God, they can be sidestepped. And I believe that the wife, if she has a real relationship with God, can take that position of leadership, maybe because she might be the only one going to church. She might be the only one praying in her home. She might be the only one trying to get her kids feet on gold one day. And so in that instance, the woman can be the spiritual leader of her home. It's not designed to be that way. God ordained it that the man would take responsibility. You see, and, and you, you brought up Adam and Eve. That's a great uh, example there. Eve saw that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good and pleasing to the eye and would give her wisdom. And so she took and, and, and ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit. But the Bible says that she gave it to Adam who was standing right there with her. Now, what kind of a leader is that? What kind of a man 
will sit there and let his wife disobey God, go against what God said, and be forever punished uh, and banned from the garden. I mean, come on. The very first man that God made got it wrong. So who are we to think that we, uh, we, we don't have to be careful in leading our families because you're only one decision away from losing your anointing, losing your leadership? It's Listen, you can't take no days off if you're a godly father. There are no days off being a godly husband. You better be in the prayer closet every single day. You better be praying, God, watch over my children. I plead the blood of Jesus over them because a godly husband will beget godly children. And that happens generation after generation. And such is the kingdom. Absolutely. And it doesn't get really much more clear uh, than that uh, as far as men operating in their God-given role. And obviously, to do that, you have to know what the Word of God says about being a father. Yes. You have to know, which means you have to be in the Word of God. Yes. And that's not just, you can't expect the the preacher every single uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever your midweek service may be. Mm-hmm. To be the only word of God that goes forth into the life of your family or into your own life. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be it should be daily Bible reading within your home, uh, yes. devotionals with your kids, praying with your yes. kids. Your kids need to hear you pray. Absolutely. Over them. Mm. My Absolutely. pastor, my pastor says this. He says, if you take if if you take one day off from praying for your kids. You left the door open for the devil. Come on. That's right. That is exactly right. Now, what father, okay, you brought that's so good. What father is going to go to bed at night and leave the front door wide open to his home? No good father. I go around every night, Brother Crooker, every night. We pray with our kids. We, we, we do the whole nighttime routine, and the last thing that I do usually is I go around to every door of my home, and I make sure that it's locked. Why? But Not because I have a spirit of fear, but because I want to protect my children. I want to protect my home, what God has given into my hands. And so why would we do that naturally but not do it spiritually? That's so good that that your pastor said that when you— you take one day off and you leave the door wide open. Come on in, whatever wants to come in and take my children away from me. Mm. My Lord. Now, I, I refuse, Brother Crooker, I refuse to let the church raise my children. Now okay? you're preaching. I refuse. <laughs> now, there's some good, godly saints in the church. Don't get me wrong. And I tr- I love all of them, trust them. And, and my pastor, I would, I would, let him raise my children. You know, I trust him. He's a good husband, good father himself. But I refuse to let the church raise my kids and teach them how to pray, teach them how to fast, teach them how to study the word of God. I refuse because if I do that, I am negating my responsibility as a father. And I don't know that I'll stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because have I been good? Have I been faithful over what he has given into my hands? I'm not so sure. We, I, I've only got one family, one wife, 
I got, I got one set of kids and God forbid that I drop the ball and I say, well, you know what? If you got questions about the Bible, go see sister. So-and-so go, go talk to pastor. Mm. No, my kids need to be able to come to dad and say, dad, what does this mean in the Bible? And I say, I don't know, but let's study it together. Let's look into the Bible. Let's pray about it. That's what a good father will do. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Brother Terry shock. And I'm referencing him a lot, not by, uh, not on purpose, but maybe a coincidence, but, um, Terry Shock once said this too. He said, a good question to ask yourself as a leader, and anybody can do this, a, a wife, a husband, child, anybody can ask this question, but it's necessary. Am I worth following? That's, that's powerful in, in and of itself. Am I worth following? Or would I follow me? Mm. Right. Because all everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody, you know, in some form or fashion, everybody wants to be the top dog. Everybody wants to have a great anointing, especially all of us young preachers. I know I want great anointing. I won't lie and say that I don't. I want to be a, the best preacher that I can be. I want to be the best soul winner that I can be. I want to do the very best for the kingdom of God that I can. But I've got to daily look in the mirror and ask myself, am I worth following? Where am I leading people to? When my wife looks at me, oh, man. Brother Anthony Mangan said it like this one time. He said, my wife should be able to look at me at the end of every day and ask me as the spiritual leader of the home, what did God speak for our family today? And we better have an answer. Oh man, that wow. again, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, God, I'm not hearing from you enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not, and if my, God forbid my wife come to me and say, what did God speak for our family today? Spiritual leader, I better have an answer. Mm. Because if not, what happens to people who have questions and the church and the leader doesn't have an answer, they go looking for it somewhere else. Mm. God help us. One in four children in America grow up without a father in the home. That, that, that is unnecessary. One in four children in America grow up right now in 2023 without a father in the home. That is a travesty. And, and I know that there's a little bit of something coming through in my voice. I can, I can sense it. I'm not mad at people. I'm mad at the devil, brother Crooker. I'm mad at hell because they're not taking any days off and us godly leaders should not be taking any days off either. We need to pray more now than we've ever prayed before. We need to fast more now than ever before because the hour is short and the kingdom is at hand. I'm telling you, I feel this in my spirit, the family, Somebody needs to hear this tonight. You need, to, you need to wake up, spiritual leader. Wake up and be who God has called you to be. Amen. I mean, we, we talked a lot about the, uh, the role of the man and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and in the family. Uh, and a little bit about, you know, the role of, of the mother and the wife. But I think it's important to at least touch on that a bit more sure. uh, the role of the mother and then maybe, you know, the role of the kids and their responsibility to their family. Absolutely. Let me tell you, let me just start by saying this. There is no apostolic minister 
anointed as they may seem without a good godly woman standing behind them okay now any any married apostolic minister let me say it like that uh listen we we don't this stuff don't just happen okay you take a good preacher and i've known a bunch of them a lot of good preachers and the ones who are honest with themselves will will stand up and gladly tell you that they are only who they are of course because of jesus uh, for without him nothing exists but because of their st- their spouse standing behind them and being the godly helpmate they were designed to be now i will say my wife um and she's not up here and she doesn't even know that i'm going to be talking about her but my wife her support towards me now she's not a crutch or the crooker i don't use her she's not a a dish rag that i just use to clean up messes and 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 then say well i don't need you and you know listen i would not be the man i am today i would not be able to stand up to sit up here and do this podcast have my wife not supported me and prayed for me and been that helpmate you see my wife is is key and she is a voice that can speak into my life at any moment and i will listen i i respect the voice that she has in my life and i think so many uh, so many people can fall prey to the idea uh, they get the big head and pride seeps in. They say, well, I'm the leader. And so it really doesn't, I'm going to devalue what you have to say as, as someone who is in subjection or submission to me. And so you devalue what your wife says. You better be careful because I believe that our wives should be equally as anointed as we are as ministers. My wife I'm going to tell you right now, she hears from God. She prays just like I pray. And and the wife plays a role that us husbands cannot play. You see, God has ordained it to give them something in their DNA that he didn't give to us. Now, it's it may be debatable, uh, and I, I've heard it said, I'll be careful here, but uh, you know, some people say that that women are far superior in, in smarts to men. And I, there's some truth to that. Uh, there's a lot of things that my wife can do a whole lot better than I can, but in their DNA, God has designed them to have a, a caring, nurturing spirit. And that right there is not just for the husband and not just for the children, but it is for the hurting. Let me tell you the, the, the wife the mother need not, if you're a wife or a mother, you hear me right now, you do not need to degrade yourself and, and act like you are only in the background or you're, you're not in the spotlight. Let me tell you, God has ordained you and put inside of you that nature to be a caring mother, a nurturer, not just for your family, but for the hurting souls of this world. That's God ordained. You see, some things I have to learn and apply because it didn't come natural. But a mother, a wife, it comes natural to them to love, to care, to nurture. That right there is God-given, and you can thank God for that. Amen? What would you, I mean, what do you have to add? I've got more that I want to say, but I want to give room to you as well to speak on the topic. I I think, you know, I mean, you're you're addressing... It in such a uh, a prolific way. I mean, 
it just I don't know that there's really a lot that I could add to that. Um, you know, women just naturally. And, and I mean, you, you, my wife can do a thousand things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. Right. I have a one track mind. I have, yes. I, I have, I, God can give me a vision and I can, I can pinpoint where I need to go and, and what I need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. But you know, all the distractions, all the things that come, it come, makes it difficult to stay focused. Uh, you know, I, I've recent, I've been home a lot more lately. I've mm-hmm. taken on a, another job that allows me to be home with my family because I got tired of my daughters begging me to stay home and not go to work. So I found an opportunity where I could be home more, more with the kids. Well, when my wife is out shopping or going to Bible studies or whatever it is that she has planned for the day, and I'm home with the kids. The house does not stay as clean as it does when my wife is here. <laughs> right. I I just, I can't, I don't have the capacity to stay that focused as she can throughout the day. I just don't have it. Mm-hmm. At least not in that, not in that manner, you know? Right. And so it's important uh, to acknowledge your wife, and, you know, and appreciate what she does bring to the table, the difference in mm-hmm. personality and ability and yes. things like that. She's your help me. She, yes. she's literally should be what you're not anyway. Yes. 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 It is a, and, and that's the, the greatness of God designed man and woman specifically to complement one another in that where I fail as a man, as a husband, as a father, where I fail, my wife succeeds. She picks up the slack, just like you was talking about with a, uh, you know, a house. It's hard. I can't, I can't manage it all, but she seems to be a super woman when it comes to things like that, taking care of all the things and the laundry and the kids and the, the errands and keeping up with the calendar and all the things. I just can't, I don't have, like you said, I don't have the capacity for that. You know, there's a, a great book that we read, um, my wife and myself both read it. Uh, it's called, I think it's called men are waffles, women are spaghetti or something like that. <laughs> and it's, it sounds funny enough, but it's so true. You know, I can, uh, men compartmentalize, right? I can be in a box and I'm not thinking about anything else except for what's in that box. And women are spaghetti noodles. You know, they're on 15 different things at once and they're, they're multitasking and doing all that. And thank God, that God designed us to have a nothing box. And I can literally, when I say I'm thinking about nothing, that's what I mean. Nothing. There's no, it's empty space there. <laughs> and so, but women are designed to, to make up for what the man lacks in the relationship. And if we do not value that as men and we do not sow into that, then we become destructive to our wives, I believe we must nurture those feelings and, and we must, um, we must be respectful. I'm, I'm learning this. I'm not a professional at this by any means, but I am learning after 12 years of marriage, I am learning to respect, uh, what's going on right here because what's going on right here ultimately is connected to what's going on right here in her heart. Okay. So, I can't, I can never become the man who says, 
I don't have time for what you're saying right now because I'm off winning souls being the leader. Okay. And if you do that, if you shut down that voice, oftentimes the wife, the mother is the voice of reason, right? Uh, the, the voice of reason, because when my, when, when I get in the way, when I would make a, a dumb decision as a, a man, a quick hasty decision, my wife often speaks up as the voice of reason and says, Oh no, Oh no, we're not doing that. We're not buying that. You don't need that. And, and often she's right. Most of the time, as a matter of fact, she's right. It's because she thinks she internalizes. She, you know, there's sometimes when I want to send a text message to someone and, 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 and what, and she, she reads it and she says, no, you need to, you need to pray about that before you send that message. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's the voice of reason. And, and God put that inside of them. The, the mother and wife as a helpmate, make no mistake, that does not mean, I don't even care, you go study it in the Hebrew or the Greek or whatever, it does not mean someone to fold your laundry for you. It does not mean someone to, to, to massage your feet after you've had a hard day. That's not what their role is in the family. And if we devalue our spouses to that level, then we have not done our job as the godly leader. We are to sow into them, to be one with them, to value one another and compliment one another. The mother and the wife often is the glue that holds it all together. Am I right? Amen. They're, 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 of course, they're, now we're talking in the natural. Of course, if you apply this spiritually, Jesus is the one who holds it all together. And I think everybody who's going to listen to this probably understands that. But to be clear, I'm not saying we uh, deify the wife or anything. But in the home, in the structure of a family, the wife, the mother, majority of the time is the one who holds it all together. And they work quietly behind the scenes. But their work... If not done, the structure would fall apart. The structure would fall apart. Amen. That's true. That's true. I think that that'd be true. And uh, many of the people that are listening, they would recognize that, you know, again, for me, without her here for one whole day, it's already falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, she lets me know every time, <laughs> encourages me to do better. Mm-hmm. So trying, yeah. trying, bro. <laughs> let me tell you something. This should be no surprise to us because God, in the beginning, He looked at Adam and He, you know, everything was good. He made this sun, moon, and stars. Everything was good. Made the plants, trees, fish, animals. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. And He said, "Let us make man in our image." And He created man, formed him out of the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life inside of his nostrils, and man became a living soul. And this was good. God doesn't make anything bad. Okay? The Bible says every good gift comes from God. So man was good. But when God stepped back and he looked at Adam, he said, you know what? It's not good that man should be alone. (laughs) <laughs> now that right there 
oh man, there's so much going on right there. And you could look at it naturally and spiritually, but it's not good that man should be alone. You need to check in with your spouse, man, leader, husband. You had better check in with your spouse spiritually before you make life-altering decisions. Okay? Before I ever do anything, I don't care if I've heard from God or not. Say I have heard from God. I promise you I'm going to talk to my wife about it. And if she's not on board, we're going back together to talk to God again. Because there's got to be a unity because God said it's not good for you to be alone. In, in essence, is what he's saying to us today is it's not good that you make decisions alone. It's not good that you spend time alone away from your spouse and you're okay with that. You need your spouse. God gave her to you for a reason because she completes you. And man and woman together now are able to procreate and to bring forth life. You see me on my own, I can only bring forth death. I, I kill people with my own words. Spiritually, naturally, some people have taken the lives of others. But when you become one one flesh, like Jesus said, man and woman, male and female, when they come together, they produce life. And spiritually, when you yoke up with your spouse and you, and you put Jesus at the center of everything that you do, every decision you make, financial decisions, family decisions, everything, you will produce life in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. And in turn, that produces life within your home. Yes. In your children. Yes. And grandchildren. Yeah. And so on. So children, I guess we could talk about them for a minute. Special little things. <laughs> I have two children, and boy, do I love them. I love my children. Uh, and words can't describe how much they mean to me. And I know that any mother or father could understand what I mean when I say that. Um, let me say, first of all, that children play a role in the family that if not viewed in the biblical godly structure of family that God has ordained, we will devalue our children and, and silence their voices much like the husbands do to the wives, we silence their voices and we devalue them. And what they have to offer goes un, uh, it, it goes unnoticed or sometimes even noticed, but uh, it's not sewn into. Now, we know from the scripture that Jesus, when he, uh, at, at the very earliest, he or at the very latest, he was 12 years old when he began to, preached the gospel. He went into the temple at 12 years old and he was ministering to all the religious folks and he was blowing their minds. So I tell my children, listen, you're never too young to do anything for God, right? You're never too young to get a, get started teaching Bible studies. To, you're never too young to start praying. And we need to sow into those things. My son and I, we, we have great times, um, where we ride down the road together, it's just me and him in the car. And he asked tough questions, tough questions. 
And I, I don't want to just push him away and say, you know what, you know, wait until you're older. Wait until you're older and I'll, I'll show you how to do those things. No, let's start now. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win some. Well, I want to win my kids to the kingdom of God. They're, they're my first responsibility. And so why would I push them away rather than bringing them in and say, let's study. Let's go to the word. Let's pray about it. Let's seek the face of God. And, and I said it like this one time, Brother Crooker. If, if my son, he's very intuitive. He, he wants to know everything. His favorite question is why? Why, why, why does everything happen? Why, why this, why that? If my son came to me and he said, hey, dad, you know, he sees me out there working on the lawnmower uh, because I'm the leader. I'm the man of the home. I work on stuff. And, and if he sees me working on the lawnmower and he says, hey, dad, uh, show me how to do that. I want to know how to fix it. At, at 10 years old, I could devalue him and his help that he could bring to the table. And I could say, no, wait until you're 15. Wait until you're 16, and then I'll show you how to do it. Uh, it's too complicated. You won't get it. Or I could say, come sit down, hold this flashlight, and watch and listen. That's what we've got to do to our children because our children, please don't de devalue your children. They have, they have a voice. They have a soul. And they desire to know uh, more about God. It's it's put inside of us from a from birth to to fill that void, and only God can fill it. And so let's sow into them. Of course, yes, there's scripture that says that you know children be obedient to your parents. I believe in obedience. I believe in teaching our kids to be obedient, to respect their elders. I believe in yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, yes, ma'am. I believe in all that. I believe in raising our children. The Bible says, raise your children in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So whose responsibility really is it? We put it off on the kids. Well, you're not living for God. Did you teach them to live for God? So it all comes back to the husband, to the father, to the mother, to the wife. You see, it's all connected. We're one family. We must value one another, listen to one another, pray for one another. And together we will enter into the kingdom of God and we will hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over just a few things. Behold, I will make you a ruler over many. I want my kids to make it, Brother Crooker. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.